Working our way through David E. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice. This week, we are rounding down the end of season three. We are talking about season three, episode 20, entitled Home Invasions. Very excited to get to this. How's it going, Degs? Pretty good, Keith. Would you like to let the people know that you will be invading my home in a mere matter of days? I will indeed, yeah. The riveting, riveting information everybody needs to know is, Keith? Going to cat sit for me when I'm out of town. Yes. Well, drum roll. Uh, yes. Yes, I will be cat sitting for your oddly needy cats. Very needy. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but I love cats. I'm fine with it. Yeah. So uh, thanks for that, man. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll formally thank you on the air. Oh, oh, good. Good. Well, I, I really only do things for formal thank yous on podcasts nobody listens to. There will be no remuneration. Uh, of a financial sort. So this thanks is all, all you're getting. Oh, no, I plan to, you know, steal things from your apartment. But I'll, you know, I'll choose like subtle ones you won't notice for a while. Okay, cool. Yeah, just like rearrange my deodorant and stuff. <laughs> exactly. Well, I, actually, you know, I wanted to start this week uh, pointing out something really cool that happened here in New York City this week that involves one of our friends on the practice. Oh, okay, great. I'd love to hear it. And that is, if you didn't hear about it already, the cast of To Kill a Mockingbird on Broadway performed the show for uh, high school students, uh, primarily from underprivileged high schools, at Madison Square Garden, the, uh, the arena, not the theater. So they performed the entire show for about 18,000 high school students and Lisa Gay Hamilton is in the cast. So uh, very cool. I saw some of the footage from it. Seemed like it was a truly remarkable experience. Is she in the the the, the turnover cast since Ed Harris joined? Because I saw it, the original cast, and I don't remember seeing her. No, she's in the Ed Harris cast. Cool. So, uh, yeah, she's in the second cast. Uh, yeah. But very cool. Very cool. 18,000 students, and all you'd heard about running up to it was not what a cool thing it was going to be, but how much it wasn't going to work and how kids won't be able to sit through that. And 18,000 students is going to be, is going to be disruptive and just goes to show that people are generally good 
Yeah. Yeah. And it was, uh, I mean, by all accounts, just terrific for everybody, for the students, for the cast. Uh, heard some of the interviews later. It was a really big deal for a lot of people. And uh, hats off. Uh, yes. Very, very cool. And depending on how you want to judge it, you could say hats on to Ed Harris because that wig he is wearing is just something. It really is intense. It's it's something. Oh, oh, Keith. Oh, actually, we'll get to it. So let's continue on. Okay. All right. Well, then uh, it's time to dive into... Filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. All right. So uh, we got an amazing email from our new friend, Scott Maupin, who uh, we mentioned briefly last week, but he followed up uh, with a with a great email. It's long. I've cut it down a bit, but there's a lot of cool stuff in there. So let me read what he said. Scott says, Dear Mike and Keith. Hi, guys. It's me, the guy from Twitter guy. I found you guys initially because I had the idea to do a show about the practice episode by episode and wanted to see if this was a novel idea or not so novel idea. Finding your podcast was wonderful because it was essentially exactly what I tried to do, but way better, e.g. a second person who hasn't seen the show, hi Mike, and lots of segments drops production value to create structure and analyze each show through. It's fantastic. I'm not sure about the production value, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, there is undeniably a second person who hasn't seen the show. That we can confirm. That we can undeniably say. He continues, I also adore the rapport you two have in your running jokes. A better podcast listener would be able to single them out and contribute, but I skipped around a bunch. You do not have to be a better podcast listener if we refuse to be the better podcast. Yeah, fair. And also in this, speaking of not being the better podcast, he discovered... When listening to, uh, we just put it before the show ran, we threw the theme song up as its own episode or whatever. And so he went there to listen to it. And surprise, what was there was not at all our theme song, but a half hour segment to another podcast that I was just doing a draft of. And I guess I threw it up to get it mastered just to hear what it sounded like. And that was what we were putting off as the theme song. So apparently, (laughs) God, I'm such an idiot. The the theme song to our show, briefly, was a 25-minute segment about hockey fights for another podcast that I set up. Uh, What I'd like to point out is that you are the better podcast for the podcast that doesn't exist yet because you were uh, sound leveling and doing a a dry run. And I am the better podcast for a podcast that doesn't exist yet because one of the base rules we had set was that we weren't going to listen to each other's stories until we actually air them. And so when I went to correct this quote-unquote mistake that Scott found, I made sure not to listen even though the temptation was exceedingly high. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so Scott, yeah it's a really good segment but <laughs> we haven't quite decided when is. we're going to do that but scott we scott is a all-star for pointing it out and getting that remedied so thank you scott and you got a, a little a little preview of what's coming up in store from the brain trust that is mike and keith 
Quite possibly never. But uh, <laughs> always a possibility. Quite possibly, you are now Scott. You are the only other person in the entire world who will ever hear that segment. That's well, quite possibly, but <laughs> quite possibly, quite anyway. Well. Uh, amazing. Forward. He continues. I'm also freaked slightly in the ways our lives parallel. For instance, I worked at a movie theater and did our own version of Super Soda, as Keith describes. Many in many more ways through and in many more ways through my path in school was visual arts, not performing ones, but it was fun, freaky to find those strong overlaps. Uh, really interesting. I it's funny how often our lives and people who have written us have have paralleled. Um, maybe we're just not that unique. <laughs> well, I would say that there's probably something to the fact that if you find yourself to the appropriate depth of the internet to locate a specific podcast that chronicles episode by episode, not the most popular of all shows from 21 years ago, chances are that your interests line up somewhere along the line with those people who created said show. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, And there's also, I feel like we have a lot more uh, overlapping interests when we're teenagers. And I think as we get older, our overlap starts to branch out. Um, But a lot of teenagers go through some universal experiences. Anyway, he continues. Uh, Anyhow, this is a long way of saying I'm changing the plan of my podcast. I'm still intent on getting a show out, and we'll let you know if you're interested, of course, what it is and what it happens. I'm currently calling it not sure what to call this, but it's not a podcast about the practice. And if you'd like to hear that hear one, check out Out of Practice instead. I'm still workshopping it with some focus groups, but I feel like that title just rolls off the tongue. <laughs> I, I, that's funny, and I, I would I would encourage you highly to not have that be the title of your podcast. Not because it isn't funny. It <laughs> is funny. Hilarious. But just typing that in every time you try to... RSS, one of your episodes, is going to be eventually a pain in the ass. No, no. I think I think you should definitely use that. Okay, there you have it. Uh, anyway, he continues, love the show, you guys. Rock, Scott, P.S. I totally get it. Whenever Micah's thirsty drop happens with anything concerning beautiful boy Bobby Donnell. There was a period of time I was telling all my friends that Dylan McDermott was the perfect untapped Batman Bruce Wayne with a gravelly voice, intense glares, and suave good looks in suits. We were robbed of a great Batman. Curse you, miracle on 34th Street. Curse you. Peace out. Dylan McDermott would make a great Batman. That That is an excellent suggestion. I'm not sure why the miracle on 34th Street ruins it. I guess that was filmed around when Batman came out? Probably. Yeah, so I I imagine he might have been up for one of the later Batmans, like maybe the the Kilmer or Clooney era. So maybe he dodged a bullet. Hmm. Uh, But I think he would have been made a great, you know, he would still make a great, like, old Batman, which I always think are the most interesting of the Batmans, are like the old washed up version. While we're discussing, ooh. Discussing? We got 11 minutes in before I started choking on myself. The thing I don't want to forget to mention while we're talking Mm. about Scott is that Scott is also an all-star because on our social media, he agrees with me. 
Would you like to explain yeah. that, Keith? Would you like to? No, I don't have it in front of me, but I think you should. Yes. Well, you'll recognize oh, right. in our last episode or two episodes ago, we had our cross-eyed therapist, and Keith's Keith's guess was that he was wearing special cross-eyed contacts, and I said that that was one of the dumbest things I've ever heard, <laughs> and that he was just crossing his eyes. And Scott agrees with me. So clearly, Scott's never been wrong, and that means I'm right. Uh, clearly that means, uh, you are not lonely in your wrongness. You have, you have friends, you are wrong, but you have friends. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, just no way. You can't like to, uh, to do that to your eyes. Like that scene had to have taken eight hours to film. His red, he, his, like his brain would explode. They like, weren't I can, filming can, for eight can hours my straight. Eyes. Though that he they had in between takes, he uncrossed his eyes and took an Excedrin, and then they did it again. Yeah, but even still, he had some long scenes. He had that long piece of dialogue. He definitely would have had to cross his eyes. For All right, hours. I'm reaching out to that guy on on Instagram, and we're gonna get to the bottom of this. <laughs> All right, and I'm gonna tell him that we've referred to him as that guy for the past twenty minutes. <laughs> yes. Uh yikes. Anyway, uh, Scott also joined the jury. The jury has reached its verdict. Madam Foreperson, has the jury reached a verdict? Welcome to the jury! What say you? So, uh, yeah, anyway, thank you so much for joining the jury. He got his oopsie doopsie. And uh, thanks uh, thanks for reaching out. Can't wait to hear your podcast. And now... It is time, without further ado, to jump back into the time machine and talk about April 18th, 1999. And that gets to everyone's question, what were you doing? This day in the basement. Well, Keith, (laughs) we need to supercut all the times you say interesting, and I say, well, Keith. (laughs) And by we, I mean somebody else should do it. I don't think, uh, well, Mike, I don't think that would be interesting. So I was in Philadelphia the, this past weekend to see my nieces and to take my mom to a doctor's appointment. And I actually literally went into the basement and went was going through my trunk of things, which just says Mike Music on it, that my mom has kept ever since I left the house in 1999 when I went off for college and never moved back, really. Uh, so she just kept all the things from high school. And I started to go oh, through so this excited. treasure trove, treasure trove of like memorabilia from my past. And the majority of it benefits us moving forward. I've got some chronicled things moving forward. Fantastic. Uh, so I'm looking forward to some of that. But before we get there, this is the final spring of my high school career. Joseph has closed. I am playing, Keith, the last few gigs with my band as you're going to hear the saga. No, you won't hear the saga over the summer, what takes place. So I guess I'm going to use this this opportunity to talk about it. So this summer, in the off-season of the practice, my band, which was a core group of my friends, uh, a good portion of which I'm still dear friends with, but the founding member with me was the drummer, and... I'd love to, I'd really love to psychoanalyze why this took place, but I had, clearly my interests were starting to 
diversify. I joined the musical, going off to college. And uh, long story short, over the summer, and uh, I'll play the last, I have a recording of the last song we ever played together live somewhere. Oh, geez. Anyway, they, they didn't tell me they were kicking me out of the band. It just happened. They replaced me with another guitar guy, and all of a sudden I was out of my own band. W- wait, so you just like showed up for rehearsal one day and there was somebody else? I f- no, I found out they were playing gigs without me. Oh. So had you, like, was this before you went, back, went off to college? Like you were like still there in the area? Yeah, we were all getting ready to go off to college, and then we, the summer we played some gigs, and then when we all left for college in September, I figured we were on hiatus until further notice, because all but one of us, like, left town to go to school. And then I just found out nobody had the guts to tell me that they had just started recording or playing with somebody else. So the drummer, the founding member of mine, had... uh, made new friends with this new guy who also played guitar. It kind of made sense. I guess he figured he was going to sort of be ready to reassemble the band should we all just college get in the way. I'm guessing there were some probably some personal things that arose, but I don't I don't know because moving forward uh the band kind of fell apart. College did exactly what it does, you know. Right. Um because two of my friends specifically really are smart and they went off to grad school and the doctoral programs and blah 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 blah. And we all ended up staying friends, and they're some of my best friends to this day. But the founding member, the drummer, and I, uh, we really haven't spoken since. It's actually really kind of a sad tale. That is sad. Did they? Did anybody ever tell you what happened? Or uh, yeah, it was. I, I think you know the that guy decided to kind of stay home and pursue music, and and not. He went to college later. He just you know, I think he just was a little hurt that sad that we were all leaving and that I don't know to be honest I I, I don't really know I, I do remember I, I have subsequently discussed it with the other two guys that are my best buddies and they're sort of like yeah it, it was going down we were a little too embarrassed to to tell you and we knew it was a short-lived thing because we were all going to stay at school blah 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 right but it was you know going to therapy later in my life I realized how much that was very hurtful, actually, really kind of, of impacted me. Of course it me. was, and especially since it was sort of my th- our thing, you know. It was but that all said, that group and playing those shows and those guys is such a formative part of my childhood slash adolescence slash musical development that I'll always be thankful for it and no hard feelings ever. It was pretty cool, but anyway. Wow. Well, I will have hard feelings on your behalf. Okay, man. Thank you. So that was a, I, that was a little bit of future proof. That happened around the fall of this that year. But regardless, let's let's find out what was happening out in Rochester, spring of nineteen ninety nine, April eighteenth. Oh well, I mean, uh, as I mentioned, my band had already broken up. Me and my accompanist, <laughs> our little opera band, broke mm-hmm. up. Uh, But I had a new accompanist who stayed with me for the rest of my time there, very nice guy named Chapel, and we were preparing for the freshman juries. Ah, juries. Ah, juries. If you don't know, at a music school uh, like where I went, at the end of every year, you have to go in and perform for the faculty to be invited back the next year. So basically, you must be this tall to 
stay and not be kicked out of school. So uh, that was pretty tense, honestly. It was a little scary. And uh, preparing for that, and because I wasn't, you know, like Captain Good at preparing, mm-hmm. was a little dicey. Freshman year, the uh, most of the rep was Italian and English, so it was fairly easy there. It wasn't uh, sophomore year was German. Uh, junior year was French, which that was a mess. I was a mess with French. But the freshman juries uh, did go relatively well. I did get to go back. But yeah, it was crazy. The level of competitiveness there. We started um, my freshman year, I think, with 18 voice majors. And by the time we actually graduated, there was only eight of us. And two of them came in from other schools. So only six, I think six, of us actually made it all the way through all four years. So that was pretty stressful, but we did it. I sang some Italian and survived. I will say that, I I don't know if ironic is the right word. Ironically, I'm going to go with it. My first story for our potential future podcast revolves around my first jury in school. Oh, interesting. And how that relates to poop. So stay tuned. Oh, fabulous. I forgot what our topic was. Yeah, well, there you go. Poop. <laughs> that, but, you can tell it's a, a Keith and Mike special if it has to do with poop. <laughs> Get ready for the pilot. We're going to talk about poop for an hour and a half. <laughs> no, hard no on the hour and a half. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we all, we were going to, I think we planned for this to be about like an hour. Yeah, well. An episode. You know. How'd that go? All right. Now let's go back and broaden out and check out what was going on in the world, starting with our number one hit. No Scrubs by TLC took over from Cher at number one. The top movie. Uh, unfortunately, because the show was off the air for about a month, we missed The Matrix as the number one movie. That is a shame. And it is. And now we got Now Life, starring Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence, which I don't remember at all. I know, that's two but weeks that in a row. Over... I have no recollection of the movie. No. Well, whatever. We were probably still watching The Matrix, because we're nerds. The, uh cover of the Burlington Free Press talks about Vermont fugitives dodge the law, which is uh, exciting for Vermont. Yeah, unfortunately, we're not going to get cops. any context on that, are we? Uh, no, not at all. But I can give you a story about a Vermont fugitive that relates to me. And that is, uh, I, I, ran, I didn't run with, I encountered some pretty rough customers in middle school, which you think, how could you be a rough customer in middle school? But by the time I was out of eighth grade, we'd lost three of my classmates. I mean, this is a very small class. One of them punched our assistant principal in the boob. One of them uh, held up a store with a shotgun. And another one was in jail, was in prison for rape by the time I was out of eighth grade. So one of these people who uh, did not finish middle school. He was actually building our middle school by the time we graduated. Actually, really, really sad story. But this guy 
like 10 years later, I was home from college and we got this call from the police in the middle of the day out of nowhere. And he lived on my road. So we, we went on the school bus together and the police said, hey, this guy just uh, broke his way out of a cop car, kicked out the window and is now running through the woods and might be coming to your house. So that was exciting. That's scary. Yeah. So that was uh, that was a Vermont fugitive dodging the law. So uh, I I know that he has spent some time behind bars. I do hope he is doing better. That poor kid had a really rough go of it. It wasn't that great to me, but there was there was a there's a good guy in him somewhere. So. I wish him the very best. All right. Well, God, we are having a depressing episode, aren't we? Did you read about the Philadelphia ambulance chase this weekend? No. We watched it live. So some guy, there was a domestic uh, domestic dispute in Philadelphia, and the uh, medics came, the, the ambulance came, and they found the man to be combative. And so they called the police, and whilst they were waiting for the police, the suspect jumped into the ambulance and led police on a one hour and 15 minute pursuit through the city. Now I'm not going to say high speed pursuit because he never topped 20 miles per hour in the ambulance. He was just riding around and you wonder why he was going so slowly. Well, at one of the intersections, a police officer shot him three times. Oh no. Once in the leg, once in the side. And so he was basically bleeding out at one point. Oh my God. At one point he actually, Pulled into a Burger King parking lot, opened the door and put his hands out like he was surrendering. So about 25 cops all stopped their car and start to approach on the vehicle. Once they were out of their cars, Keith, he slammed the door and took off again. Finally, both front tires lost the tires and he was riding on rims and he stopped and they finally got him. Uh, And he was wearing only his boxer briefs. And so I present to you the most Philly story of all Philly. (laughs) Well, but you know, it wasn't. It was stopped at Burger King. It should have been like at a at a water ice place. Yeah, you're right, Rita's. <laughs> Stop at Rita's. Wow. Uh, yikes. He could probably. Uh, I think we know some lawyers he could probably use. Yep, I have a suspicion we could help him out. Uh, well, no, you and I could not. No. All right. Well, on honest, we're we're on a weird episode today. It's a weird tone today, but that's going to be fine. Ah, oh, crap. They're all weird, Keith. Can you tell me the weather? I'm I'm about to. Cause we all need to know. Was it hot or did it snow? Neither in this case. Tell me the weather from 21 years ago. Sunday, April 18th, 1999. Keith, high of 61, beautiful degrees. Oh my God, we're so close. Get us there right now, please. Although it's it's really nice today. It's pretty much that today. Well, it's pretty close, yeah. It was 61 degrees, partly cloudy, with a low of 42 overnight, but who cared? Get out those spring clothes. We're so ready for it. And that's your time machine weather. All right, finally. We are going to talk about the damn episode. This episode is entitled Home Invasions, Season 3, Episode 20. It was written by Jill Goldsmith, who last wrote on Crossfire, and Alfonso H. Moreno, who also last wrote on Crossfire. It is directed by Jeannot Soir, 
who is a French director, obviously, who directed Jaws 2. He also directed on Kojak. He did, and Supergirl. He did 18 episodes of The Practice, starting with this one. He wrote, uh, or he directed Jag. He did 14 episodes of Smallville. Friends, Supernatural, and Grey's Anatomy. So, uh, the dude who directed Jaws 2, which I, it's underrated, I think. It's, obviously it's not Jaws 1, but at least it kept it, it wasn't like a comedy like the next two. And yeah. I appreciated that. Defending Jaws 2 is not the hill I'm about to die on, so. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it there. Oh, we've died on a lot of hills yeah, that's true. Uh, already. All right. Well, that leaves us with only one thing to do, and that is ask. What is that supposed to be? What's your problem? Is this what happens to women when you insert your penis? What? What does Mike think's gonna happen? You know, what if he would have drank the curdled milk? Then what would have happened? Now, it's important that it's home invasions plural, right? That's, yes. That stands, that stands apart to me. And so the previously on this week discusses Last week's case, where the nun killer got let free on a technicality, and it also recaps the relationship taking place between our own Jimmy Berluti and Judge Kittleson. And so my prediction this week is that we're going to deal with yet another instance of the nun killer. Uh, Perhaps he breaks into someone's house and murders them. That would be one home invasion. And then I'm going to suspect that the wheels start to come off with Kittleson, and we find that she is in Jimmy's house, uninvited somehow, and he comes home to discover her in a fatal attraction type situation. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I mean, look, if this is a pitch meeting, I'm in. <laughs> okay, that doesn't bode well for my accuracy. <laughs> <laughs> but I like the episode. You know what we should do? We should write down all of your wacky ideas and the best one we should write that episode yeah that sounds like a good idea well but wasn't at some point didn't we discuss our final once we complete the experiment we're going to release the unaired keith and mike cut yes okay cool so Um, these can be pitches for uh for that i love it okay well let's quickly pay the bill season three episode 20 Home Invasions. Getting shots of Boston. It's a rather somber music to start with. Yeah. Well, Lucy's... That's subtle for Lucy. She's wearing one of her couches. Bobby coming in? No, not yet. What's wrong, Jimmy? Nothing. Your poker face is pretty shitty, Jimmy. Yeah, that's not a great poker Bobby, face. Can I see you a second? Now? Now. What's wrong? I was on the internet last night, you know, just. Never good, time. Jimmy. Never uh, good. Privacy of my own home. Uh, not on this show. I don't know what I was thinking. Jimmy. I clicked onto a web page. It was about hidden cameras. I f- <laughs> so, the disdain in Bobby's face that Jimmy was. He didn't say he was looking at porno. He just said he was on the internet. On the internet at all. 
Well, because <laughs> thus far, the show's perspective on the internet, it is nothing but monsters. Yeah, very bad. All right. But he did say in the privacy of my own home, so I have a suspicion we're going somewhere. Well, he just said hidden into... camera stuff, and yeah. Yeah, well, you know what happened with me and hitting cameras. Me and the cat sitter. Oh, my Lord. You and your fucking cameras. I'll be I'm, <laughs> I'm covering that. Yeah, I know. I, get, I, I sent some duct tape coming out. <laughs> Forget, what the heck? What, you saw some girly pictures? Videos. Yes, some girly videos. And not just any girly videos. Lucy was in one of them. Oh. Bobby's, Bobby's face is my face right now. Oh, shit. So the what was Lucy wearing it might uh, take a turn this week. <laughs> Do you notice I did not play Lucy. the bumper? Our Lucy? Yeah. You sure? I downloaded it. Oh boy. To show you. I hope you have a v- uh, a uh, VLC or no uh, VPN. VPN. Okay, so it's, it's a kind of like psycho. No, nobody gets hurt. It's enough. a shot of a woman. Disrobing, oh, getting into the shower as a hidden camera. About this? That's very oh, naked so, so. for ABC. We saw I mean, her butt. We sure did. That's Lucy, but she she wouldn't. Um... That's Lucy's body double, kids. Come on. So we're watching on a very low resolution show, an even lower resolution 1999 Internet Explorer, Net, Net, Netscape, perhaps. Yeah. And but you can definitely see Keith. That is. About as blurry as when I was ripping the blurred out Playboy channel to print out of my dot matrix printer so that I could maybe make out a butt or a boob. <laughs> oh. That's about as clear as I'd ever get it right there. Oh, wow. So you you took very, very early screenshots of blurry Playboy. Yeah, I would have if I had the tech. Well, by the time I had the tech to screenshot from video, uh, the internet existed. So, do you know where I would put the printouts? Oh, well, I mean, the obvious place is in the mattress somewhere, but everyone knows to look under the mattress. Let's hear it in in the encyclopedia. Oh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That makes. I put it in the encyclopedia. I ha- and some. Oh. Somehow, my mom still found it, which means that at some point, my mom was actually looking something up in an encyclopedia. She was looking he- for your shit. She, <laughs> come on. Yeah, maybe you're right. I my favorite. And well, I'll be brief because we have to move on. But I had, I used to hide, uh, like you know, sheets and stuff like that in a hole in the wall that I. It was like a temporary wall. I had like a little hole there, and unfortunately. I didn't realize that there was also a hole that it fell down in. So one day it oh, just no. it fell into the wall and then it's a temporary wall. And at some point they're going to take down that wall and in the bottom there is going to be a whole bunch of dirty pictures. That's what I thought until my younger brother told me later that he got wise to it. And he cut a hole in the bottom of the wall in the sheetrock and retrieved them. Oh, my God. Well, good for him. (laughs) Well, he didn't do it for me. I know. Even better (laughs) for him. He found a way to scam you. That's hysterical. Uh, Meanwhile, we've been frozen on, quote, unquote, Lucy's butt for the pet. Now I feel like we're me-tooing this poor person. (laughs) I'm going to continue. Yes, please. There's more. Jimmy. What should I do? 
I guess that's what they mean by home invaders. You gotta tell her. Maybe you should tell her. What? What? <laughs> just bringing in the mail. Oh, uh, you can uh, just uh, put it on the desk. Yeah, uh, right on the desk. The desk is good. Good poker face, okay. Jimmy. Yeah, geez. What's wrong? Nothing. N nothing. The desk is fine. I'll take the mail. Okay. I don't know that they should be playing this too much for laughs. Well, yeah, seriously. I don't think I could ever look at her the same again. I know I can't. <laughs> it is funny, though. But, like, they're talking as if they're assuming she's in on it. It's clearly a hidden camera. Yeah, that someone busted into our apartment and pre-set up. Yeah, I mean, like, they're, they're like, oh, why would, I can't believe she did that. She didn't do anything. You know, there was a case recently of people doing this in their Airbnbs. Oh, sure, yeah. And I, I don't know how that played out, whether that's legal or not. Like, you can have a security camera in your own home, but I think you have to let people know. Yes. Uh, well, actually, being the better podcast, and we'll get it because we're going to get into this a lot this episode. Uh, but the laws vary state by state. They've gotten a little better than they are in 1999, but we'll talk about it later. I already testified once. That was at the That's the guy from Boy Meets yes. World. That's scary. You can't just go. Guy from Boy Meets World! Oh, I forget his name. That guy! That guy! It's Ryder Strong from, of course, Boy Meets World, the underrated horror comedy Cabin Fever. Love it. Uh, and Roughnecks, the Starship Trooper Chronicles TV show. I don't remember that. I I can't even imagine what channel that would be on. But it did oh. exist for a bit. What was his name on Boy Meets World? Hold on. The main kid's name was... It was Topanga and... It wasn't Kevin, was it? No, that's the Wonder Years. Oh, right, right. Well, it is his little brother. No, it's not. Oh, that yeah, the lead was. Yeah. Oh, okay, whatever. With the other witnesses? You're the only eyewitness. He played Sean. Okay. Sean. You want to go over it again? No, I, I got it. I'm okay. Gary, I know this is hard. You know? You ever see your mother get shot, Miss Campbell? I'll try to keep it short. My father have to be there. Gary, he's the defendant. Oh, shit. Okay. Dad shot mom and kids gotta listen. Okay, so they're clearly so showing Lucy. This. Oh, great facial acting by Lucy so. there. Hey, what's going on? Uh, Lindsay, could you excuse us for a sec? Sure. How could this happen? You never made any videos. No. And you don't have any roommates. Okay. Who's tall enough Let's to get a camera that high? Perhaps a Boston Celtic? Oh. When I arrived at the scene, I found the defendant, Gordon Armbrust, seated on the living room sofa with his head in his hands. What else did you see, detective? The victim, Charlotte Armbrust. She was lying on the floor. Her condition? 
She had been shot once in the chest at close range, as was indicated by the powder residue around the entry wound. Was she alive at that time? The paramedics were unable to revive her, and she this was is Danny dead at the scene. Detective, were you able to recover a weapon? Yes. From the floor of the same room, several feet away from Mrs. Armbrust, I recovered a 38 Special Revolver, registered to the defendant. Gun residue tests revealed that he had fired the weapon. And in the course of your investigation, did you determine if anyone had witnessed the shooting? Yes. The victim's son, Little Gary Armbrust, had been present and gave a full account of events. What did you do at that time? I placed the defendant under arrest for murder. His shirt was splattered with blood, and that was sent to the crime lab for testing and analysis along with the gun. So you spoke to and had an opportunity to observe Gary Armbrust at the scene? Yes. And according to your report, you observed his eyes to be bloodshot and his speech to be slightly slurred. He just witnessed his mother's murder. He had been crying and was extremely upset. These symptoms are also consistent with someone under the influence of drugs, correct? Sometimes, yes. But he didn't appear to me to be under the influence of anything other than grief. He was never drug tested? No. And Gary Armbrust's account of these events played an instrumental role in your decision to arrest his father for murder. Well, also the yes. gunshot residue on his hands. That's like a soft, All right. a soft plan B there. Soft plan B, here we go. I know that lawyer from somewhere. That lawyer is Saul Rubinek, who you would know from Warehouse 13, Frasier, Inc., Nixon, Unforgiven, and he played uh, Kivas Fajo on The Most Toys, a, uh, a really fun, not fun, but really good episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Star Trek! There it is. I found it. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. And if you're a Star Trek nerd and you remember that episode, he was a last-minute replacement. They'd actually started filming that episode with another actor. And they he came in at the last second and... Uh, reshot what they'd already done. So, good actor, Saul Borubinek. Happy to be him. Save the galaxy. Indeed. We're back with Lucy in her apartment. Apparently she has a drop ceiling in her bathroom. Wow, it's a, a mini v- It's a whole VCR a and a mini cam. Timer. We should just leave it as is and show the... So that's not like an FBI small-scale operation. That is a bootleg. Somebody had like a half hour to set that up. Yeah, and a full-sized VCR. Oh, 90s tech. But uh, it, it obviously needed to be this way for the episode, but I don't know a lot of bathrooms that have drop ceilings. Well, and they would have to like... That's a lot of power that that would draw. And... If we're really going to get into the nitty-gritty of the tech here, that VCR, even if recording on long play, would only get about 12 hours of video, and that... Six. Well, that's... that's it. Yeah, but if it was, like, extended long play, sometimes it was a little longer. No, it was two two hours standard, right? it's, It's two, four, and six. I think they had some that took you to eight, but that's the best you can get. I guess what I'm getting at here is that whoever put, installed this camera would have to frequently replace the tape. Yes, he did say it was on a timer as well. Okay. But they would have to know a lot about Lucy. Check out the rest of the apartment. In the meantime, is there another place that you can stay? 
Lucy. God, this is just awful for Lucy. What? Is there someplace else that you can stay? Yeah, it was my dad. And you have no idea who could be doing this? Your boyfriend? No. Okay, look, I know you don't want anybody else to find out, but I'd like to bring in Eugene and Lindsay. No. Lucy. I don't want them all to know, Bobby. It'll stay within the firm. It's on Lindsay's the internet, up to speed Lucy. On computers, and I'll need Eugene to knock on some doors. It's a really good performance by Marla Sokolov here. Yes. And good writing to have, like, the sort of trauma reaction. Charlotte was my closest friend. It's well done. I should mention that my nieces are super Full House and Fuller House fans. And when I told my niece Talia that I we got thumbs up, we got a, a post liked by Marla Sokolov, she freaked out, Keith. I've never been cooler to her. Oh my god. You are cool. It's true. I knew he was gonna do something like this. Why do you say that, Mrs. Ronish? Their marriage was falling apart. She was planning to leave Gordon. And his ego couldn't take it. Objection. Sustain. Did you ever hear the defendant that threaten judge. her? We know that judge. Yes. Yep, Tom Barry, last seen in Lawyers, rep death, Reporters, and Cockroaches. I stopped by their house to pick this lady Charlotte testifying as Anne Gillespie. Gilles she hated that class because uh, she didn't think it was really exercise. I know this is difficult, Mrs. Ronish, but we need to know about the threat. I'm sorry. Yes, well, when I got there, no one answered the door. So I opened it a little call for Charlotte because I knew she was expecting me. What did you see at that time? Gordon was holding Charlotte's arm. She was trying to pull away. And he said that if she left him, she wouldn't even live long enough to regret it. Yikes. Yeesh. More accurately, Gordon said that he didn't want her to leave him and their son whom he believed had a drug problem and needed both parents. Well, yes, that's true, but it was still a threat. And you were so concerned the threat you overheard might be real that you immediately contacted the police. No. That was my mistake. This defense attorney has a Ms. tough Campbell. job on this case. Hi, Gary, how you doing? Uh, I guess I'm okay. I need to talk to you about my testimony. Well, you want to come back to my office and we can run through the questions again? No, no, that's all right. It's, it, it's just that... What is it? Look, I, I don't really know how to say this, but... part of what I told you isn't true. Which part? The part about my father murdering my mother. I oh, lied. Oh, snap. You lied? Shit. Helen's got some difficult cases. It was an accident. Then why did you tell the police it was murder? I don't know. I was angry. You need to do better than that. My father and I were in this fight. He was so paranoid, thinking I was using drugs. I finally got fed up. Your father's fingerprints are on that gun, not yours. I had flipped out. I guess he thought I was going to attack him or something because he went and grabbed the gun he kept in the end table. Your own father pulled a gun on you? Yeah. And, and then I charged him, and that's when the gun went off. And your mom if was in the, the middle? Truth, why would you have even accused him in the and first place? And you charged a guy with a I, gun? I, guess I was kind of in shock. And I thought that hmm, if you went I'm away sensing this, a little boy meets bullshit here. Yeah. You really expect me to believe this? I know it sounds crazy, but that's what was going through my head. Yes, and why would you wait till now to change your story? I just couldn't go through with it. And this is not a story. This is the truth. 
I was there. You weren't. But I was at the preliminary hearing where you testified that your father shot your mother. And that wasn't the truth. Have you talked to your dad recently? No. Look, I understand you might not want to send your dad to prison, but... But he didn't do it. I did. Wait, what? Wait, is he saying he shot her now? Or indirectly? I thought it was an accident. They were struggling. I would like to know how often... Tiny fan. Tiny fan. I can imagine that very often defense... uh, uh, Oh my God, I can't even... uh, Defense clients change their stories. But I wonder how how often prosecuting witnesses change their stories. I wonder how common that is. I imagine fairly common when you, especially when you're dealing with family members. Mm, yeah. And, you know, I think there's, that's why you can't be compelled to testify against your spouse because it gets really murky. You know, just like even if, let's say your dad did kill your mom. Yeah. You, like, obviously you're, you're going to be <laughs> upset about and mad about that, but it's still your dad and it gets really murky. I got to say, Keith, we're only 12 minutes in, but I'm in on both these cases because I'm curious as to, you know, it's a long time must have passed, at least a week or so between arrest of the father, preliminary hearing, and then we're now we're into trial. So I'm, that's- I think, I would imagine months. Quite a long time before you change your mind. Your dad's already been sitting in prison unless he's out on bail, but- which I doubt with a murder case. Right. And Lucy, I got to know what's going on. I feel bad for her. She's she's killing it. Oh, it's horrible. You don't but have to watch Mario it. Soccer Love is, I'm just is trying to find out great. how many websites it's been uploaded onto. Wait, you mean that there's I, more? I'm than... afraid you're pretty popular. How many times did you watch it, Jimmy? Not too many. No more than 12 to 13 times. Jimmy, the answer is, the minute I realized it was you, I shut it off and never watched it again. Are we on for lunch? I'm watching it right now. No, uh, (laughs) I actually came to sort of hire a lawyer. Eleanor. No conflict of interest here. Yeah. Basically, he's recanting now. Hey, Eleanor, the person who uh, plan B'd me? On the on the stand, the last time we had a one-on-one conversation. Well, I guess her options are limited to Eleanor and Eugene, right? Because, oh, I guess Jimmy maybe. There's because there's conflicts of interest with Bobby, and with. Uh, well, there's conflicts with literally roommate. everybody. That's true. David's dad, which since he could now face perjury, makes me think he needs his own lawyer. And the reason you want it to be me. I I want you to scare him. Make him realize how serious perjury is. And you're the scariest broad I know. If I represent this kid, I'd be working for him, not you. I realize that. I I just want him to hear the legal consequences of recanting from a defense attorney. His best interests are also mine. And you don't think he's telling the truth now? No way. His story has been completely consistent up until now. His statement to the police and the so preliminary testimony corroborate the So when she first said she was going to hire evidence. This case is a, tight. a lawyer for this kid, I thought it was altruistic, like to help this kid through a tough spot. But now we're finding out that what she really wants is to pressure this kid into testifying the way she wants him to. They don't call her Queen Bee Bitch Chic for nothing. We at least talk to him.
Locks have not been tampered with, no sign of break-ins with the windows. What about from above the shower where the VCR was? A secured crawl space. This was done by somebody with access. You had any parties, Lucy? Friends over? I have friends over sometimes, but I... What about that Boston Celtic guy? Uh, basketball players? What's his name? Hot Rod? Rodman? Yeah. What about friends? <laughs> Rodman! None of my friends would have planted a camera. New case. No money. It's a favor. Commonwealth thanks you. Oh, my God. Now what? It isn't you. It's Jimmy. What? I just happened to the Boston Buff website to, to see if we were listed. Damn, I lost it. Uh, what's Boston Buff? The Boston Buff Society, Corp Buffs. They're basically retired people who follow trials, and they rank lawyers. Here it is. Seems like they're into gossip now. Attorney James Berluti has... Look been a at that website. Yes. You got to screenshot that. Oh, I did. Okay, that is that amazing. Is, oh, God, that is quintessential 90s. And that's like a fancy one from 1999. But I, also like a high school kid made it. I built my first website in 1998 uh, with a combination of this really early WYSIWYG editor and an HTML that I was learning on the fly for my band, I even had like a side panel and a, a, a header up top. It was, mm -hmm. it took forever and it barely worked on any website or on any web browsers. Oh man. I wonder where that is. Oh now. yeah. I did my first one in 98. I did, uh, my high school, my high school's drama and music sites. Do you remember trying to figure out how to get a, how to get a counter to work? Like to, oh, to count web visits, it was insanity. Oh, yeah. I mean, I still remember a lot of the HTML code. Yeah, I remember enough of it. What's funny is a that... H-E-R-E-F equals... It's so easy now to make a website. Uh, we've come a long way, buddy. Ah, uh, indeed. Your music with Judge Roberta Kittleson. What? That, that's ridiculous. Oh. Uh-oh. He's making out with her in the elevator. That, that's... Trick photography. Fake news. Fake news. Oh, Jimmy. Jimmy in my office. Like, I know the internet was new, but cameras in elevators was not new. This is now backing my client's story. Miss Gamble's the only one saying that he's guilty. He's changing his story out of some warped sense of loyalty to his father. Helen, he was your whole case, and now you've lost him. Do you have any additional witnesses? I don't need any. Gary Armbrust's testimony is coming in just like it did at the prelim. Wait, 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 what am I missing here? If he takes a stand and changes his story, I will charge him with perjury. That is extortion. No, it's called leverage to protect against witness manipulation. The only one manipulating here is you. Look, you can cross the kid however you want, but she can certainly call him. This is intense, What if I just plead the fifth? Yeah. Well, you can do that but it really won't help your dad. If you plead the Fifth Amendment, it basically means your testimony is unavailable, which means the DA can then introduce your testimony from the prelim. And you're saying that if I change my story, she can put me in jail? It's a very real possibility, yes. What do you think I should do? Well, I would normally advise you to tell the truth, but if the truth is something different than what you said at the prelim, Telling the truth would expose you to perjury charges. You're never in a good position when you say the sentence, I would normally yeah. advise you to tell you, you just the truth. Got angry, you know? But. Gary, if he's a murderer, me, 
I'd ditch the sentiment and save myself. Alternatively, you might start drinking Jack Daniels heavily right now. Yes, yes. Because that's what she usually, you know, advises her clients to do after they've committed a crime. But that's in more of like a hit and run situation. Good point. That's always what I would do. He's my dad. Yeah, now he'll be an orphan. You're sleeping with her. It's my own private life. Not anymore. It's on the internet. Jimmy, she's a client. Was a client. It started after her case. She's also a wacko. Did you know that? She's not a wacko. Jimmy, she is. She's a great judge. One affair with a clerk doesn't make her... She pulled me into chambers and told me she was having erotic dreams about me. What? Yes. While I was in trial with her, (laughs) she calls me into chambers and tells me she's having sexual fantasies about me. Then she hit on me. Oh, poor Jimmy looks so hurt. Oral compulsive disorder? Hey, look, I don't know what happened with you, but me and her, we're consenting adults. We can... We're consenting adults. You can. More? She's been through half the Massachusetts bar. Hey. Oh, Isn't she a little... What's the word? Old? Yeah, old. Isn't she a little old for you? <laughs> so Kittleson's been banging a lot of lawyers? Yes. She's, uh, she's been around the board. understands I'll then have him arrested for perjury. He understands. Timely recantation. It's possible he can beat perjury. But you do know the old saying, Keith. You haven't had proper lawyer booty till you've had Berluti. <laughs> tell him that? Helen. T-shirt. I'm sorry. Eleanor, you tell him he's afraid of the wrong person. He's afraid of his father. He should be afraid of booty. Helen. I won't let him do this. Easy. I'm calling him, Eleanor. I'm putting him up there. Any new developments? Um, I'll give you voluntary manslaughter. You should be dismissing. I've got threats, fingerprints, residue, trace metal. Yeah, but if the boy's saying accident... How do you know what he'll say? Have you been tampering with the witness, Arnold? Well, I'm assuming he's not going to say self-inflicted, Helen. What else does that leave? Voluntary manslaughter. Take it or leave it. Leave it? Leave it. Don't you dare just barge in on me like this. Just tell me, yes or no. To which question? Did I have a dream about Bobby? Yes. So what? What about the other... How many lawyers have you been with? That is certainly none of your business. You want to tell me how many women you've been with? You heard of the Boston Court Buffs? Of course I've heard of them. They fill half the room sometimes. Well, they got a website with a program. It talks about you and me. It's got a picture of you and me on the elevator. It also has headshots of other lawyers you've been with. They say sexually. Comes with a playbill? It's got a picture. Uh, There must be some security camera on the elevator. How they got access, who knows? But there's a picture of you and me? Kissing. And there's pictures of other lawyers, just headshots, but it says you've been with them. This is on the internet. Yeah. What else does it say? I don't know. I didn't really want to look. I came right over here. This just in, Keith. This is also on the internet. That's true. It's on the internet again. We just went into the Matrix. That picture. Conspiracy theory. From the elevator. How do I find this? website. I don't know. Lindsay found it. 
I love how like the internet is a huge uh, mystery she's to probably everyone. home by now. Well, you can't be on the phone and looking on the internet at the same time, Judge Kittleson, I should tell you. <laughs> Mom! I'm on the internet! Turn it off! You gotta hang up! I'm not online Kiku, here, Jimmy. Kiku. Can, I, can I tell her tomorrow? I, I don't know. I had to find it. Look, I'll give it to her first thing, okay? He told Judge Kittleson. Big mistake. Meanwhile, in the armbrust murder trial, rumors that the chief prosecutorial witness is changing his story. If true, the prosecution may be in trouble. Great. You recall Just Gary Armbrust great. was the one who identified his own father as the killer. Now it seems he's prepared to testify it was an accident. Oh, God, look at what they... Keith. Oh, my God. I really want to. I really want to investigate something for this episode. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, use the internet really quick. And just okay. See, uh... Oh crap! Now we we just got disconnected. Oh. Uh, uh. Gonna get there. Oh okay. Okay, great. It sounds like a good connection. Oh. Okay. I well... think you. I, did you hear the jump from uh, 14.4 to, to 32K? Yeah. <laughs> 28K, yeah. It's done. How could they do that to me? All right, relax. Look relax. at that. All right. So. You relax. I'm about to lose a murder, and now they've got me looking like Leona Helmsley meets the Wicked Witch. I'm not going to lose this. So I'm not losing. We'll screenshot it on our social media at Out of Practice Podcast. Uh, they did a court sketch of Helen looking like a lunatic. Which also in that scene, they made her act and look exactly the same as the sketch. Pretty funny. Oh no, not again. I'm screwed. If I call him, I'm dead. If I don't, product placement, so many old compact you know? laptop. So many old laptops in this. Miss Gamble, call your next witness. Miss Gamble. The Commonwealth calls Gary Armbrust. Members of the jury, the witness will be accompanied by his own attorney for the purposes of his testimony. You are to consider only what the witness offers as evidence, and you are to draw no conclusions whatsoever on the fact that he has a lawyer with him. Duly noted. You swear it's all the truth, the whole truth, and nothing so but the truth, so help Eleanor's you God. So going to sit next to him up there? I do. Be seated. Yeah. It's more like a congressional hearing. <laughs> Could you please state your name for the record? Gary Armbrust. Gary, the oath you just took... You understand the meaning of it, do you not? I do. You understand that you testify today under the pains and penalties of perjury, do Objection! You? She's trying to intimidate this witness. I'm merely making sure the witness understands his obligation to tell the truth. Well, given that the witness has a lawyer sitting with him, I think we're safe, Miss Campbell. Burn. Your own father is the defendant, is that correct? Yes. And it was your mother who was shot and killed, also correct? Yes. Were you present when your mother was shot? Yes, I was. And you observed your father shoot your mother as you were standing in the doorway of the living room? That's oh, not how it happened. That's Ask pretty blatant leading the, the witness. witness hostile? Objection. Objection. Overruled. Gary, do you recall testifying at the preliminary hearing for this case? Yes, I do. 
and you swore to tell the truth? Yes. And at that time, do you recall being asked the following question and giving the following answer? Page four. Question. What did you observe? Answer. I heard my father screaming at my mother. I went to the living room door, and that's when I saw him shoot her in the chest. That's what I said, but it wasn't... You've answered the question. Thank you. But it wasn't true. Move to strike non-responsive. Yeesh. That's a cool white shot we don't see. What really happened? Yeah. I was angry. My father pulled the gun on me. Then I basically attacked him. You attacked him? We didn't have the greatest relationship. I, I, I just kind of... It was during the struggle with me that the gun went off. Well, why did you testify at the preliminary hearing that your father killed your mother? Part of it was I was just covering my own ass for provoking my father to get the gun in the first place. But if it was really an accident, why didn't you just tell the truth? I was just so furious at him. I wasn't thinking clearly. For three months. Look, I'm sorry about all of this. I really am. And if you want to put me in jail, I can't stop you. But it really was an accident. You have to believe me. Well, they don't have to believe you. I'd like you to believe me. Only one with a master key is the super. A guy by the name of Larry Conley. You know him? Oh my God. Of course it's the super what? or the landlord well, or somebody. Kind of looks at me funny and a few weeks ago. A few weeks ago what? He said that there was a leak in the downstairs apartment and he needed to check my bathroom. Ding, 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 ding. Lindsay, call the police, get a warrant, see if we can search this guy. Whoa, 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 a warrant for what? Let's search this guy's Whoa, 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 whoa. Lawyers don't get warrants. He necessarily committed a crime. Wait, what do you mean he hasn't committed a crime? There was no sound on the video. So? The law prohibits intercepting audio communication, but silent videotaping isn't a crime. Well, you gotta be kidding. What? This guy planted a camera in my bathroom. That's not a crime? No. All right, All right. what about trespass? The super with a master key, and you said he asked permission to go into your bathroom. This guy planted a camera in my home. I'm just saying it isn't as easy as it looks. Which is... It's got to be some way to nail Staggering. Staggering. I think it's slightly different now. You can't put cameras in a place where people have a reasonable expectation of privacy. But I so think it's state by state. Think it's of me. unbelievable. It's just a stupid website. This goes into people's homes. Well, okay. Okay. As crazy as that is... There, there must have been a law even back then on the books about uh, distributing that video. I don't think so. It was, yeah, Be it was the wild west of the internet still. Yeah, I don't think people. I mean, certainly the law hadn't caught up with the idea that you can post things on to the internet where everyone can see them. I think they were. I mean, what's the before that, it'd be what? Like selling VHS tapes out of the back of your car? Yeah. Chinatown booties? Homes. Yeah. Lawyers who appear before me, they've probably all seen this. I'm sure some have. Not all. Look, nobody believes this stuff. You believed it. That's why you came running down here so angrily. You believed it. 
don't think we introduced Holland Taylor, well, obviously. Is it all true? Some of it is, yes. I have been with some of these men. How could... This is my private life. Welcome to the information age, Judge. Yeah, we're this all learning evil. a little bit about the internet this week. It's evil. Well, they should hope to get Lucy's case in front of her. Yeah, right? I was fighting with her. Your wife? Yes. And I was in an enraged state. I don't deny that. Then oh, Gary came charging. And he was enraged. Dad who killed his wife, maybe! Yeah. I love how you've just, like, given up on that part of this. <laughs> well, if I don't have something uh, funny to say. I tell you what, if I could get a super cut of <laughs> just Mike's half of all of those. <laughs> and my decreasing attempt level. <laughs> I know, you really tried for, like, three episodes. Oh, well, that, that oh. goes for many, many things. Oh, so true. All right, this murdery dad is played by Stephen Macht. From The Monster Squad, Graveyard Shift, Suits, Murder, She Wrote, Cagney and Lacey, and he played General Krim on two episodes of Deep Space Nine. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. In fact, he looked on something. That's why I got the gun. You pulled a gun on your own son? No. I was afraid, and I grabbed the gun in case I needed one. And then what happened? You know, okay, started so at each other. We, need, we need to break this down. I did some research. This is what blew my mind, and it's hard to tell because you're not watching it. But uh, Stephen Macht is 6'1", probably 200 pounds. Looks like a big, tough guy. Ryder Strong is 5'8", when he was full grown. I don't even know if he was fully grown at this point. Maybe a buck 50, buck 60 tops. It's a little dubious that he would be so scared of this small person that you need to pull a gun. Yeah, but maybe his son was like eating those Tide Pods or on the bath salts or whatever, and he was like in a foaming mouth rage. But even still, like somebody who's 150 pounds and 5'8", you know, I'm I'm a chunky dude. I just feel like I would be able to at least push that person away pretty effectively. Yeah, I mean, especially if he was like my son, you know? Yeah. Then he lunged at me, tried to wrestle me to the ground. That's when the gun went off. And it hit Charlotte. Gary attacked you. Like I said, I think he was on something. Why was there only blood on you? Gary was on the other side of me. I was between. Now, it should be noted that I am, I've only held a gun on a few occasions, a real gun uh, in my life. But I'm always dubious when I hear the phrase, the gun, that's when it just went off. Don't you have to have agency and doesn't the trigger need to be pulled? Is it that easy for just an accidental knock (sighs) to shoot a gun off? I wouldn't think so. I mean, obviously there's a safety, maybe he unlocked the safety the part that may that i find dubious is that so if you're wrestling someone to the ground the guns pointed in a whole bunch of different directions throughout that process 
what are the odds of A, it going off by itself, but B, it hitting somebody at all and then hitting somebody in a spot that fatally killed them? Yeah. Because like the, just like with all the trajectories that bullet could go, the fact that it actually killed somebody feels very unlikely to me. We never found out where she got shot, right? In a fatal part. Because, mm. like, you think it hits mother. the floor, it hits and the I'm ceiling, it hits the wall. You, so I guess I blocked him. You're larger, yet you felt physically threatened by your son. I thought yeah. he was under the influence of drugs, and I didn't know what he might Doesn't do. give you superpowers. Uh, so it was self-defense? No. It was an accident. Well, you say you pulled the gun And what was his plan, too? Yes. So his I was afraid. Son, is he going to shoot his I son? I was afraid that he might hurt me. So I grabbed the gun. He's all like hopped up on weed. He did assault me. (laughs) That's when the struggle took place and the gun went off. And it was an accident. Asked and answered. Did you tailor your story to fit your son's testimony? Objection. No, I did not. Your wife leave a will? Yes. Who inherits? I guess I do, as well as my son. Wow, accident. You both make out. Would you both plan this little witness for the prosecution stunt? Objection. You both conspire to kill her, setting him up as our witness? Objection. Sustained. That was like a sideways plan B. I got it. What? You pay your own utilities, right? Yeah. Theft of electricity. He plugged his equipment into your outlets. Wow. For some case You're right. Theft of electricity. That feels like you a full on It'll buy picked us up on that. Well done. Mr. Lawrence Conley? Yeah. You're under arrest. Ray Abruzzo's back. Theft of electricity and trespass. What? We have a search warrant. Wait, 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 what the hell's going on here? Yeah, that's right. What are you looking it's for? It's got Stolen a lot of blueprints on the wall, huh? Well, it sure does. Oh, shit. So it's, it's a, a wall of VDH, VHS tapes that say Lucy. Gotcha. Uh, do me a favor, Mike. Will you have your boys search the bedroom? Bedroom. Now. I really wish now, I had a can you theme for this. Because we're about Five to see Bobby McCrambo! She's a teenager and a friend of mine, shit back! Okay, Bobby. I said okay, Bobby! Bobby McRambo just choked him out on a there wall. There security tapes! Take it from here. I think he just made contact with his face there. More like secure titty tapes. Boo. Boo, sir. Boo. <laughs> to that I a, say boo. To that I say this is a serious <laughs> plot. Jesus. Basically, You're I've just got mad two you didn't choices. come to I can it argue, first. believe his testimony at the prelim, but they've got reasonable doubt, or or I can argue some witness for the prosecution theory, which who knows? It could be that. Things have certainly worked out for them. Witness for the prosecution? We relied on the son, Mark. He changes his testimony at trial, instant reasonable doubt. With the threat of perjury. Uh, he won't do much for that. We both know that. So does he. If the recanting is ruled timely, he could get off altogether, which his lawyer told him. I've lost another murderer. Oh, that's why she... There we go. That's why the nun... First I lose a guy who dices up a nun. Now I'm gonna... Can you recall forensics? Prove it couldn't have happened the way they're saying? I can't prove it. Not beyond a reasonable doubt. 
I can't believe this. Yeah, well, I wouldn't go with this for the father had GSR on, and the son late. didn't, and they were wrestling. That seems Just unlikely. Give it your best shot. Yeah, convince the do your job. Convince way. the jury that they're bullshitting you. I'm gonna find a way. After this commercial. A <laughs> hundred tapes? He had other cameras planted in other places. Wow. So he has videos of me doing everything? I've arranged to have them destroyed. But they could have already been uploaded on websites. Yeah, girl? Yes. Will he go to jail? Keith, He's this is why I'm never naked. Jimmy ever. Cover it. Lucy. Yeah, me too. For the good of the world. Maybe trespass. He, he won't do any time. I mean, this is really yeah. traumatic. He'll never do any time, he said? What if my father... You said he doesn't own a computer. Yeah, but what if somebody Yet. makes a tape off the computer and... Look, you did nothing wrong. Well, can I sue him? Well, we could, but he's... he's He's pretty judgment-proof. Wow! He did lose his job. I mean, that's... That's something. That's nothing. I can't... Like, that strains credulity. They sue over um, all sorts of crazy bullshit, and this is, like, full-on assault. Uh, you you want to take the, the day off? And do what? Go home? Uh, I'm fine. Yeah, I got a lot of work to do. I'm totally fine. Well, Lucy, really good performance. The reason you feel so violated is because you have been. And this is no time to play tough. Come on, David E. You're going to give us such a juicy case and Look not there's no case? Maybe this isn't the equivalent to rape, but that man took your privacy from you. And it's not nothing. I appreciate that, that the show's taking counseling. this seriously. Yeah, I, I would like Bobby to be like, you know what, if you want to see a therapist or something to deal with this, it's on us. You know, something. Yeah, well, I've, yeah, absolutely. And but I, but I do like that he is taking her experience of this seriously yeah. and that it's not being played for laughs. Because it's a tremendously serious thing. Not for nothing, Lucy, but I did choke slam him. True. Okay. And it wouldn't be a bad idea to lean on people here a little. It's just that I feel like... <laughs> I know. Two different versions work all around. from the same witness. How Hold can you on. Which one is true? It's closing time. Time to put your case to bed it's closing time otherwise your client's dead closing time the state will probably stand up here in a few minutes and try to convince you that gary armbrust suddenly felt bad didn't want to see his father convicted decided to Change his story. Doesn't the prosecution heard go Ms. first in closing? Witness for the prosecution. They did it together for the insurance. Usually on the show, at least. Now, that theory came at the 11th hour, didn't it? Why? 
desperation. Because the only eyewitness told you it was an accident. Told you he attacked the defendant, causing the gun to go off. Do I really need to be standing up here arguing reasonable doubt? The state wants you to believe Gary Armbrust is truthful when he says one thing, but he has no credibility when he's saying another. It's a good point. You can't have it both ways. But you do have a fair amount of forensics that are backing up one of the stories. Yes, we have two versions now from one witness. It's up to you to weigh the credibility and circumstances of each. You're free to discredit the recantation and find that the truth lies in his original accusation. And I'll tell you why you should. Gary told the officers at the scene that his father murdered his mother. He said that they had a bitter argument, she threatened to leave him, and he shot her point blank in the chest. Now, Gary testified to the same facts under oath at the preliminary hearing. Not one inconsistency in any of the details. Every last bit of his account was consistent with every piece of physical evidence. Then suddenly, just as the trial begins, he has a change of heart. And I guess we can understand. He's already lost his mother. He doesn't want to lose his father, does he? And, well, maybe he's found a way to even forgive his dad. But we can't. A woman is dead. Charlotte Armbrust deserves to have us stand up for the truth, even if her son no longer can. Charlotte doesn't have a voice anymore. You do. We all know what happened. That's a good close, Helen. Prints only belonging to the defendant. Blood spattered only on the defendant. We have the threats. That man committed murder. I mean, there, there's something to that, I'll say, because if there's this big struggle, which means that the father and the son are, if not on top of each other, directly next to each other, how did the blood splatter from the accidental bullet not even come close to the son? Well, and what the father says in that case is that the son was on the other side of the mother and father, so he was his, the father took the blood because he was blocked. But in that case, if they're in a struggle then the father would have blood on his back, right? not and, his front. And what we didn't hear, which I think fills in a lot of gaps, and I think it's actually, I don't agree with the writing here, because the side of the story is, what was the initial statement from the father? You know what I mean? At the scene. We've got the son's, the son's statement from the beginning, and we've got his yeah, statement that's true. from the first preliminary hearing, is when the father was on the stand here, and he agreed with the son's second account, is that the first time he's saying that or did is that was his initial story that actually colors in a lot of the blanks unless he didn't have a story and his son fair right to remain silent suddenly decided he wants him to get away with it do you three two six two three commonwealth versus conley trespass theft of electricity Robert Olson for the defendant. It's Judge Gibson. Theft of electricity. Fan. Are they it sure that is. These days? Oh, I should do this. Super pervy guy. Choke slam victim. 
I love how you, he's the victim now. Yeah. All right. <laughs> that, that is Ron Leia or Ron Lay, unclear. From Orphan Black, The Strain, Best Laid Plans, Saw 4, Doc, Punisher, Warzone, and The Recruit. What's his name? Ron Lay. L-E-A. Your Honor, the defendant is a superintendent at an apartment complex. He installed cameras to tape one of the dwellers. Then he uploaded her naked images on the internet. Theft of electricity... Hold on a second. Well, 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 Mr. Connolly, did you get the wrong judge? We'll wave reading, Your Honor. Why don't you wave goodbye while you're at it? Did you have fun invading a young woman's privacy? Excuse me, Your Honor? Counsel, you speak when I ask you to. Uploading her naked images on the internet? So we know that Judge Kittleson's a little bit cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs? Yeah. And yet right here, she's going to be the warrior for justice. She is. And I would like to point out, uh, before she goes on her uh, battle attack here, they have shown no evidence that he actually did it yet. He had the tapes. But she doesn't, like from her, from Kittleson's standpoint, it's all, all she knows is some guy walked in and they said, this is what this guy did. Well, and there's context. She got a nod from Jimmy. The but nod that's from it. Jimmy, it, it, the, well, at least to me as a viewer who hadn't seen it before, the nod from Jimmy tells me he already told her the whole backgrounds of what happened to Lucy. So she that that her question to Jimmy was like, "Oh, this is the guy," and he's like, "Yeah, this is the guy." Okay, fair enough, fair enough. So it's just funny. Judicial I just misconduct. discovered things about me on the internet. Maybe there's stuff about all of us. Who knows? The, the answer is yes. There's about to be, at least. Yeah, take that look on her, her face. Pants. You're on. There you go. Bailiff, would you please take Mr. Olson into custody? He is in contempt. What? You want another chance? That credulity then that you mentioned, Keith, mouth. is strange. Mr. Connolly, well. drop your pants right now, or I will add contempt to your charges, and you will go straight to a jail cell. I am going to count to three. One, two. <gasps> He's not wearing oh. underwear. Bare ass on camera. No underwear. Well, they were like, "Well, we showed that stunt double's female ass. Now we got to get a we got to get a male ass in there." Uh, fair figures, and nothing much else, I might add. Ooh, dick joke. <laughs> Do you feel violated, Mr. Connolly? Exposed? How does it feel? You it feels turn like I'm going to get a nice Show them settlement what you when I sue got. you for Your this. Honor, even I have to say, this is a little bit irregular. You're going to get a great Tough. settlement. And off scot-free for the actual turn crime. Turn around, Mr. Connolly. So she's making him show his dick to the entire court. People are gasping. Take Mr. Connolly. Put him in jail. We can arraign him again tomorrow. Would you call the next case, please? Leave your pants right there. She's going to have him scoot out? ankles. 
Vigilante justice. Case number 32624, Commonwealth versus Waterman criminal violation. Oh, Illegal his disposal ass of for toxic all of us waste. to admire. All right. Now that was super satisfying, but completely insane and would never in a million years she would be disbarred in a second. Not the least of which she kind of just committed assault on him. It's it's like they the writers were really really interest, interested in pointing out how crazy it is that I think I'm I'm assuming they're pointing out how crazy it is that they can't arrest this guy that he's not going to face any jail time for this complete violation of a young woman and they were like we can't just leave it there even though that would that would posit a really interesting point they're like we can't leave it there we have to give Lucy some justice and they're going to do it through the crazy judge Right. Huh. Yeah. No, I, 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 I get the impulse. I get why it's satisfying. I found it satisfying, but also completely problematic in every possible way. Yeah. And she, oh, it's water. At least it's water. I thought she was going to do a Jack Daniels shot right there. No, that, oh, it that is water. That was yeah. different. Imagine his luck getting me for a judge of all days. You okay? I am so. You know, I am no prude. I would have no problems taking the bench naked, so long as it were my choice. But to be... Well, hopefully the laws on internet stuff will start to change. Maybe the test Good case will come before you. Good thing you just broke your own rules. It did bother you reading all that stuff, didn't it, Jimmy? Yeah, but, you know, it, it's my mother's influence. In the back of my mind, I guess I was still hoping you were a virgin. Thank you. For what? For being there. It helped. It helped knowing well, you saw his dick, I too. Keith, is, is she just using Jimmy to get to Bobby, or is this a legitimate relationship? It seems legit. It does. But she was crossing out Lindsay's eyes. Right, which was such a like extreme odd behavior that makes her look like a crazy person, but it hasn't really been backed up after that, which makes you wonder like, is that planting a seed for something that's coming up? Or was that like the writer at the last, like, Oh man, this would be a great way to finish the episode, but with no plan for what happens after that. I have and to then say sort of that I think it. this is where our experiment gets interesting because current current generation TV, like the golden age of TV that we're in right now, has spoiled me into thinking that every little seed they plant is going to have some sort of ramification or will fruit. And I have to remember that in these procedurals that they had to write 26 episodes season after season, that's not always the case. Yeah. Well, and they're, you know, and because they're writing so fast and they're like going week to week, they maybe got overruled or like, yeah, no, we can't do that. Forget it. Interesting. And you try and you retcon it or you don't, but stay tuned. We'll find out. Also, you know, she's doing such great work every episode, just slaying it. They might be like, we can't just write her off as like a Looney Tune and have her go away to prison or something. And then we can't use her anymore. Right. Right. And, and you can't really sustain that level of Looney for too long. Unless you're John Larroquette. 
Yeah, but he only comes on once a season. Will the defendant please rise? Murder case. Mr. Foreman, has the jury reached a verdict? We have, Your Honor. What say you? Commonwealth versus Gordon Armbrust on the count of murder in the second degree. We find the defendant, Gordon Armbrust, not guilty. Not guilty. Oh, shit. Helen is having a lousy week. Jury's dismissed with the thanks of the court. We are adjourned. Man, the father and son are hugging. Ray Abruzzo, the cop, is there. Helen just gave the Gary cop a Armbrust, nod. You're under arrest for the murder of Charlotte Armbrust. What? You have the right to remain silent. We know his oh, words. Oh, shit. Take him away. Helen, by his own testimony as well as his father's, the gun went off when he attacked his father. Felony assault. Accidental shooting or not, felony murder rule applies. What is she talking about? You're looking at an automatic life sentence, Gary. That's what I'm talking about. Helen, come on. I told you, Eleanor, I told you he should be more afraid of me than his father. This is an overreach. Life sentence, Gary. Go celebrate, Dad. Whoa. Is this true? Shit. Can I get life? Tell me! So Helen just charged the Don't son with murder. Boy meets jail. Don't fuck with Helen. So clearly there are two women on this show you don't fuck with. Judge Kittleson, Helen Gamble. True. This is small potatoes. We know that Helen Gamble is a cold-blooded murderer, but... That's true. Out of focus B-roll. So... Lucy is closing up the office late at night. She goes to the door and hesitates. She's in the dark. Turns the light back on. Oh, she locks the door. She's going to stay there tonight, Keith. goes back and sits at her uh, desk. Deep sigh. It's a really nice tag. It's heartbreaking, but I think it's a really good tag. All right. All right. We have gotten our way through The Practice Season 3, Episode 20. Lots of things going on there, and it means it's time for... Ladies and gentlemen, the Out of Practice Podcast, in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present... Oopsie! The Oopsies! Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention... This is where we rate the episode and stuff. Your hosts, Keith and Mike. What the hell are the oopsies? Okay, first up. Most valuable. 
this is sort of a back door because Helen lost. Right. The the landlord didn't isn't going to face any time and there weren't really any other cases, especially for our people. So I'm going to say that even though she had her client eventually gets arrested, she uh, El uh Helen oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Eleanor, I was about to say. I combined them. <laughs> uh, Eleanor, at least temporarily, had the most "quote unquote" success uh, in advising her client. So I'm going to have to, I guess, award uh, Miss Frut this week's MVL. Wait, so she? There's this kid. He's a witness. He goes from a witness in a murder case. Eleanor comes in to help. And 40 minutes later, he's arrested for murder, and she gets MVL. Well, I mean, what else? What do you think? What? How are we going to get around this? <laughs> I mean, you know, isn't, like, first do no harm? Yeah, but that it's was like, kind he's going to go to prison for life. I don't he's think... worried about a perjury charge, and then he goes to prison for life. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. Eleanor didn't really <laughs> expect Helen to pull that card, I guess. Oh, Yeah. So, all right. So, you're Eleanor. You, you, I, you know what? It really is Eleanor. Yeah. <laughs> well, who else? I guess. Well, uh, all right. Here's my. I mean, Bobby was very compassionate. I don't know that that's com- that has anything to do well, with lawyering. He, I think, in his capacity as lawyer, which weirdly in this episode means he was able to get a warrant and arrest somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh that he actually did address and do what he could in the situation as a lawyer. And as a boss, as a lawyer, he was also very compassionate and I think handled the whole situation very well. Yeah, and not to mention he did, in his capacity as a lawyer, got to go to the scene of the crime and got the most justice for her by Bobby McRamboing him. He did the best he could in that impossible situation. So, uh, that means, uh, 50% to Helenor and 50% to Bobby McRambo. Congratulations on your MVLs. Next up. Already famous cause you've been on TV. Go and show the best guest actor. What you got? I think, man, she might as well just join the cast at this point because with another grounded, crazy-ass performance that hit all the right beats, had highs, had lows, and all the in-betweens, and is still sexy as hell every time she says something. I think Holland Taylor, as Judge Roberta Kittleson, once again takes another oopsie home, as if she, as if she needs another. She I know. How, where's she going to store them all? I don't know. Maybe. Where uh, do you store all your imaginary awards? Yeah, I think you could. Uh, I think Ryder Strong did a good job. I think Saul Rubinek did a good job. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to play a grounded, unhinged. Mm-hmm. 
And I think she does it really well. And she really has found a way to keep us guessing. Like, like, what is going on in that brain of hers? What is her relationship to Jimmy? What is her relationship to Bobby? What is, like, how crazy is she? Is she not crazy? Is she just a confident woman? I don't know. Uh, so, yes, congratulations, Holland Taylor, on your next Imaginary Award. Make some room. It's gonna be an exciting season. All right, now it's time for... You killed your podiatrist or blew the case But you let a single tear run down your face You're the best actor on the show Everyone was excellent this week. Our main cast, absolutely excellent top to bottom And so we go back to the old, whose episode was it? And she was brought on initially, Keith, as comedic relief She's shown some other colors, but this week they took the the chains off and they allowed Marla Sokolov to show all of her dramatic abilities, and I think she just proved that she is worthy of being in this ensemble and can carry an episode if she needs to. And I thought it was really nice of the writers to give her that that to give her that outlet, and I thought that she took the opportunity, and slayed it. So this week, I think we're both going to agree that Marla Sokolov is our Oopsie Award winner for not uh, a funny scene-chewing uh, reason, but because Stewing? she she was great. Yeah, she, 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 grew, she was a great actress. So that's my vote. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think that's well put. Uh, you know, she has, she's demonstrated some real chops here and is definitely a worthy member of this cast, which is really saying something. So uh, congratulations, Marla Sokoloff. Way to crush it. Which brings us to... The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady! Now, I don't remember last week's... who Because I haven't done the graphics yet, because we're, we're front-loading a little bit. What was Tom? What? Who won the Tom Brady Award last week? Last week, Tom tried his hand at podcasting. He's podcaster oh, Tom right. Brady. Podcaster Tom Brady. Oh, he's leaving. The he is uh, coming up, and they haven't announced a replacement yet. And so, I believe my vote for the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady this week is actually for Atticus, Atticus Finch, Tom Brady. <laughs> Atticus Finch. Tom Brady. Uh, I love it. They have, however, announced uh, who's taking over. It's going to be Greg Kinnear. Yes, but in the interim, it will be Tom. But in the interim. <laughs> no, well, no, no, no. Uh, Atticus Finch, Tom Brady is Greg Kinnear's understudy. Yes. Okay, fair. Yeah, all that's, right. That's it. In fact, I'm going to uh, eliminate the other one from the episode so I can use it next week. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. All right. Well, there's only one more thing to do. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. Sometimes when things get a little bit batshit, you don't like it so much, Keith. But right. And sometimes I don't. But you. So, but on occasion, I reward it. Like you remember when Tom, when uh, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> When Bobby threw that guy out the window, I hailed it as a masterpiece. The first appearance of Bobby McRambo. Yeah, I think I thought yeah. it was a masterpiece. And I liked it again here. In fact, yes, while whilst I agree that Judge Kittleson's uh, 
behavior towards the peeping Tom was not something that would fly. I agree that it was satisfying, and I understand why the episode did it, and it, it was satisfying to me. I thought the whole exploration, while truncated, of the the internet, the burgeoning internet, and the dangers therein, that we know how that all plays out. This was the beginning of, uh, I guess, what we would call digital citizenship, and how you have to be aware of what's online and what you put out there. So... I really liked I liked it. I think it's an int- especially looking backwards, it's a really interesting exploration. Yeah. And it holds up pretty well. I mean, all of those dangers are still very true. Absolutely. They've yeah. only gotten worse. The other case is interesting. I I I I think as a setup, it's really interesting. I'm glad that we had that tag because I'm interested to see where it goes now. I imagine mm-hmm. we'll be seeing that as the season winds down. All in all, I thought the performances were great. The writing was I'm sure you'll touch on that. I'm going to say I, I did enjoy it, and I'm going to give it a solid seven spare tires. Seven spare tires. Yeah. Well, you know what? Be prepared to be shocked. Because you're right. I don't usually like the nonsense and the loony, but I actually really like this episode. I find it very uh, very compelling. I thought the way, you know, the the story with Lucy felt very plausible felt very real i think they handled like we've seen the show handle stuff like this so poorly yeah and this actually was handled pretty well at least as my opinion as a man because what the fuck do i know but it seemed like it was certainly handled better than before it was you know there was a, a woman writing on this show on this episode and i think that really helped um and uh you know the lunacy yeah, that's crazy, but there are crazy judges who do... St- <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, oh my. I think that's the first sneeze on the on the podcast. Hmm. I doubt that. Ah, coronavirus Keith here on the show on the <laughs> podcast. Uh, I mean, there are judges who go loony and do stuff like this. I'll be curious to see if there's any repercussions. Uh, that said, I mean, I like this. I like this episode. And for that reason, I'm going to give it a 7.75. Oh, hmm. Hmm. I don't know the math, but I'm sure somebody does. And the answer to that is math. So congratulations. This episode, episode, episode. Let's wrap it up. Oh, God. Everyone go home. Oh, God. Oh, God. All right. And ladies and gentlemen, we've pressed eject here on the Out of Practice podcast. If you would like to tell us where to go, you can find us on email at outofpracticepodcast <laughs> at gmail.com and on social media at Out of Practice Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. You can check out our blog with more pictures and a ranking of every episode on outofpracticepodcast.blogspot.com. If you would like to give us money, sure, give it. On anchor.fm slash out of practice podcast, there's a link, and you have some other link for that. <laughs> It'll be in the show notes. <laughs> it's in the show notes. When this episode drops, I will be in Myrtle Beach celebrating my wife's birthday. So, on behalf of myself and the entire out of practice podcast team, you hear how that sounded? Yeah. We'd like to say happy birthday to Jennifer Babiak and Deglio, and currently in real time, we'll say break legs on your, your audition. Yeah, kill it. 
Happy birthday and kill it. Heath, I'd like to go into an auditorium with you and 18,000 of our closest students and do something with laser sounds. Wow, I did, <laughs> did not try very hard. Way to stick the landing. Laser sounds.